Good morning, everybody. Hello and, and greetings from my wife and I from Delarevo. It's crazy here in the northwest. It's been raining the past couple of days. I don't know how it's been there, but it's beautiful and we're trying to settle in and we just want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you to each one of you that has been praying and continues to pray for us. We're trying to settle in. This is a whole new adventure we're setting in, but we couldn't do this without you. God has been answering all of your prayers and all of our prayers and we're just so, so, so grateful and we miss you. We miss you so much. We wish we could be there with you and, and celebrate and rejoice rejoice and, and, and worship our king together, but we don't know what God has in store, right? We, we never know what's going to happen, and I trust that God is going to use you guys and, and going to continuously just make himself known through you as I know he's been doing, and pray for us. We don't know what God has in store for us here. We're barely trying to settle in. We only arrived on Sunday here, um, so it's been crazy trying to settle into this new place, this new uh, little town, this new job. My wife started working on Tuesday, so it's been, it's been a bit crazy, but it's been awesome, and we've just been seeing God. God's faithfulness, answering every single one of our prayers in spite of the challenges and the circumstances are unknown and crazy. God is faithful and he answers all of our prayers. So thank you. Thank you so much once again um, that you, for all of your prayers, for all of your encouragement, for all of your wisdom. We, we miss you and we love you and we wish we could be with you all. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll be able to come visit uh, sometime soon. But, but yeah, as we've been looking at the past couple of weeks, been listening to, to this sermon series about King Jesus and, and all the things that, that we've been learning about him and, and, and the way he is and the way he thinks and the mission that he leaves for us. And, and we've been doing it in a totally different way, right? We've been doing it through YouTube. We've been getting together over Zoom. And, and this new culture, this new way of doing things has been really ringing on my head because I started realizing that, man, for the first time probably ever, we have this idea and this culture of, of influencers and followers, right? Like where we're we following certain uh, people on YouTube or on Instagram and, and we want to yeah, learn their opinions, learn their thoughts, learn their tips about this or that. And we watch all of these things and we're following all of these people. And, and maybe you're, you're part of the other generation that doesn't understand this, that is like, why are my children watching somebody else play the video game that they have? Why are we watching other people react to certain videos that we could be watching ourselves? It makes no sense to you maybe, but for our generation for 2021 and the life that we have, this this is how it goes, right? We are following so many things and maybe you don't watch YouTube, maybe you don't have Instagram or any social media account, but maybe you watch the news or you listen to a specific type of um, podcast or sermon series and, and, and the reality is that we all are following somebody. Whether we think about it, whether it's conscious or subconscious, our opinions and thoughts and ideas are influenced by all of the things that we consume and digest. We are influenced by the people that we listen to. We're influenced by the community that we gather ourselves by. We're influenced by those Instagrammers or YouTubers that literally are called influencers. By the way, that term, they should coin that to Jesus. Jesus is the major influencer of all of our lives. He has influenced cultures, histories, communities. I mean, he's influencing you, you and I right now. 
Um, and just to make this a little bit interactive, I, I just wonder who, who who are the people you follow, like the YouTubers or the Instagrammers, and and yeah, put it on the comments down below. Why not? Let's make this in uh, a little bit more interactive so that we don't feel like we're so isolated. But the question I'm asking is, who are you following? Because the reality is that whether we admit it or not, we are following someone or something. And that has deep ramifications in the way we behave and the way we act. I mean, think about it. In Romans chapter 1, Paul rebukes the church in Rome and talks about the, the humanity that has rejected the creator and started worshiping creation. And, 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 and according to Paul and according to other writers, we understand that we become like what we worship. We become like the person or the thing that we follow. And in Romans 1, it gets very dramatic. And Paul starts telling us about how people that rejected God instead of worshiping creation, they started becoming like that creation. They started becoming like beasts, like animals with unnatural kind of behavior. And it's crazy all the things that Paul says there. But it's true. You become, I become like what I worship, like who I follow. So this question that I'm asking, who am I following? Yes, it could be uh, a little bit superficial in this, what, watch, what you watch on TV or what are the things that you consume and you let yourself be influenced by. But let's be honest. Do I follow Jesus? Is he the biggest influence in my mind, heart, and decision-making? Is he the one that directs and, and charges all of the decisions, thoughts, and feelings that I have? Or am I more interested in hearing this person or that person or that news channel or that community or this way of thinking? Whether we admit it or not, sometimes we're more influenced by the voices that we hear around than by the voice of the divine, that the voice of our king. So we got to be very honest about who we follow. Because that's where we ended up last week, right? We ended up with our king giving us this charge to go and influence the whole world, to go and make disciples of all nations and all generations of all cultures, languages, tribes and races and ethnicities. Jesus, our king, is asking us to continue the influencing job the pun is intended that he started. He, he started and change history forever and he's asking you and me to continue on that mission right and, and that's exactly where we're gonna pick up we're gonna look at what this what this mission entails and more than anything the fact that he's right there with us as we carry this mission so please go into your bible to the last verse we looked at last week to matthew 28 and we're gonna pick it up from there matthew 28 verse 18 and we're gonna read the whole thing but we're, we're gonna check it out from what, what what he says at the end and again the question i'm asking you to think about is who do you follow matthew 28 from verse 18 jesus comes up to them and says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations immersing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I commanded. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
The title of our lesson today is The Presence of the King. And this is very important because some of us might feel like, well, Jesus was there walking with his disciples. And how awesome would it be to be one of the 12, which maybe there were more than 12 if we read certain gospel accounts, but that's for another lesson. Um, wouldn't it be awesome to be one of those who were gathered around him and walked with him every single day and heard him preach and heard him teach and saw him heal and saw the prayer life that he had and saw the incredible relationship with God? Wouldn't it be awesome to be like, like one of them? And we feel kind of a little bit cheated and a little bit left out because we're like, man, how, how do we do it here and now? How, how can I carry on the influencing mission that he asked me if he's not here? Uh, that's when the words of John, uh, the uh, uh, gospel writer John, that he records when Jesus says that it is better for Jesus to leave than for him to stay, kind of blow my mind. Because if you ha would ask me and I ask you to think about it, what would you prefer to walk with Jesus every day or what you have right now? Walk with Jesus physically present right there every day. But Jesus says it is better for him to leave so that he can send the Holy Spirit Jesus thinks it's better that instead of him walking with us, he wants us, he wants him to be in us. I, I don't know if you catch what I'm saying. We could walk physically with him every day like the disciples did. And I know many of us want that. But what Jesus wants is himself in us. I know that's crazy to think about, but that's what Jesus intended. The presence of the king was not gone when he ascended into heaven. He, it was not what, it's not what you think when you think of ascension is that the moment he, he steps into the heavenly um, realm, right? That, that's what we're talking about. But he's not like he just disappeared and he's gone and now we're left here by ourselves. Jesus says himself that he's going to be here with us till the end of the age. So today, what I want to focus on is, what does that look like? How does it mean? Where is he with us? Because I don't see him. Do you? I wish I could see him. I wish I could have my spiritual eyes open and see all the angels and all, all the, the, the work that the Holy Spirit is doing and the presence of the King every day with me. But I don't. Yet he says he's with us to the end of the age. So what does that mean? What does that look like? And, and, and that's what we're going to look at today. So, so the first thing that I, I want to emphasize I don't know if you noticed, but it seems like there's a direct connection between presence and mission. Francis Chan, in one of his old sermons, once said that when people ask him, oh man, I, I don't feel close to God. I feel like I'm disconnected. What can I do? Francis responds to them and tells them, when was the last time you went evangelizing? <laughs> Because for, for Jesus himself here and from what Francis Chan understood, and I kind of agree with him, is that he said he's going to be with us directly after he sends us out to influence the world, to carry on his mission. So our, our presence next to him is directly connected to the evangelizing mission that he has given us, to making disciples of all nations. So let me ask you, when was the last time you went reaching out? When was the last time you shared your faith with somebody? When was the last time you talked to somebody about Jesus or said, set up a Bible study? When was the last time you, you heard somebody in, in their pain and said, you know what, I think I know the answer to what you're looking for, but you might not like it. His name is Jesus. When was the last time you put yourself out there and got uncomfortable and said the name and preached the word and talked to somebody about 
Jesus. Because let me tell you something, I have never been, not once, not once, I've never been reaching out with brothers and sisters and never feel closer to Jesus. You know, I do feel alone and apart from Jesus many, many times, but you know what usually is around that feeling is this self kind of focus that I have and the self pity that I have and this looking at my circumstances and my pain and my challenges. And because I'm so focused on that, I kind of forget to focus on what Jesus asked me to do. And I tend to feel quite alone and quite, yeah, isolated. But when I'm focused on his mission, focused on his word, he sends me out. And man, I can tell you story after story of people that we've met in in crazy, crazy circumstances that you will just not believe, right? That Jesus is actually moving along with us. His presence is directly connected to his mission. So if you want to feel like Jesus is close to you, I invite you, go out there, serve somebody. Talk to one of your friends or colleagues at work. Talk to your neighbor and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I believe in Jesus. What do you believe about him? Let's talk. Put yourself out there and do something crazy that you've never done. One of my mentors, Omar Palafox, he always says, Jared, if you ever feel disconnected from God, go and serve a homeless person. And again, he's right. Jesus said it himself in Matthew 25, right? That whenever we do something for the least of this, we're doing it for him. So if we want to feel like God is here and we're connected to King Jesus, let's go out there and do something. And I know in these crazy times, going out there is dangerous and crazy and we might not feel comfortable. But man, there's ways. There's still ways. We can serve the people in our home. We can serve the people that, that we are in contact with because we all go to work. We all go to shopping. We all go do all these things. We still go out even though we don't go out as much. We still go out to do one or two things. We can serve them. We can talk to them. We can pray. Even if that's all we do, we can pray that our neighbor one day hears the gospel we can have the mission in our mind and i promise you when the mission is in our mind the presence of the king will be in our lives when the mission is in your mind the presence of the king is in your life that's what jesus said that he's gonna be with us till the end of the age so will you do it will you go crazy will you do something will you put yourself out there just to be with the king because that's the trick We cannot be where the king is not. I mean, would you imagine yourself if you're one of those physical disciples there that you're walking with him? Would you imagine yourself being in any other place that Jesus is not? You wouldn't go looking for Jesus where you know he's not. But you would go looking for him where you know he is. You know, the disciples in the first century that followed the rabbi were so radical in how they followed their rabbi that even if the rabbi would go to the toilet, they would go to the toilet because their rationale was like, what if my rabbi prays while he's in the toilet and I miss it? What if I don't hear the way that he prays? And that's why the phrase became popular, a phrase that you might have heard and we might have mentioned before. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi's sandals, right? That you're so closely talking and walking next to your rabbi that you're, the, the dust that comes from his sandals falls upon your feet and your feet are covered with that dust, Right? That you go wherever he goes. 
So what if you don't find Jesus in your nice, comfortable chair as you're watching on YouTube? What if you actually only find Jesus in serving your husband or your wife, in taking care of your children, as children, loving your parents and being obedient to them? What if we only find Jesus in going out and serving the homeless or serving the sick? I know that not all of us can do that, and I'm grateful that we have people like my wife who are every day serving the sick. I'm sure she finds Jesus there all the time. What if we find Jesus going to the places where people are hurt and lonely, and maybe not going physically, but going there with a prayer, with a text message, with a phone call, knowing that we have people all around us who are looking for Jesus and Jesus is not going to be sitting comfortably in the chair that I'm sitting. Jesus is going to go and meet them. So if I want to be next to the king, if I want to feel his presence, I got to go out there. I got to go where he goes. And that's the point of Matthew 28. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm going to be with you If you go where I go, I'm not going to be there with you. If you're not doing what I'm asking you to do, I give you this mission. I'm expecting you to do this mission. We cannot sit comfortably in our church and just expect it all to happen. Otherwise, we won't feel, experience, see the king that we're following. That's the charge. That's the command. Are you willing to go anywhere, do anything, whatever the cost? Because you know your king is there. Well, that, that's the first point, right? Jesus is there. The presence of the king is directly connected to his mission. If you want to have the presence of the king of your life, better step out into the mission he asked you to go to. But not only there, Jesus is also in, in this process of maturity. He's asking you and me to become more like him. I know that the, the one of the primary goals of Jesus is to seek and save the lost. He said it, right? And we know that God wants all men, all humans to know him and to come to the knowledge of repentance, 2 Peter 3 verse 9, right? We know that. But once you make Jesus Lord, Jesus has another mission for you. Once he becomes the king of your life, he has another part that he wants to accomplish in your life and in my life. And that is making us more and more like him. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29, we have this awesome statement from Paul where he says that those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And those whom he glorified so that we could become like the image of his son. That all things work for good to those that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, right? All things. That basically means that Jesus is going to work everything out, whatever is good or bad, hard or difficult or easy. He's going to make sure that becomes a lesson if you love him so that you become more and more like him. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul says that this is the will of God, your sanctification, your transformation. You're becoming more and more set apart. You're becoming more and more like Jesus. That's the will of God. That's what he wants for you and I. So if you've made Jesus Lord of your life, I'm telling you, his primary goal for you right now is that you become like him. That you become an image bearer that is thinking and acting and feeling and moving and speaking the way your teacher, your Lord, your King does. That, that's what he wants. And Jesus is right there in that process. He does not leave us alone. Absolutely not. He, he knows that this process is painful and uncomfortable. But he knows that he's going to be there with us. 
That's why it, the whole chapter of Romans chapter 8, Paul speaks about the Holy Spirit being there in that work, in that process of transformation, of sanctification. So the presence of the king is not only in the mission. The presence of the king is also in the maturity, in the maturing process that he puts us through. That's what he wants. So when you start making prayers like, God, make me a servant, those prayers God wants to answer because he wants you to serve like Jesus served. When you start making prayers of God, make me more comfortable and help me be more lazy, that's not exactly what God wants, right? So that's why we need to, to pray the kinds of prayers he would pray, to pray the kinds of prayers that Jesus taught us to pray, your will be done, your kingdom come, as it is here, as it is in heaven. That that's the kind of point. What is his will? What his will is for you and I to be transformed. So if you want to feel close to, to Jesus, if you feel like Jesus is far away and you can't feel him, well, I invite you to ask him to transform you. You will feel him. It will be uncomfortable. It will be painful, but he will be there. And you know what is awesome, also true? In Psalm 16, we are told that in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And I've discovered this, that when I'm becoming more like Jesus, I become more joyful. When I start serving my wife more, instead of wanting to be served by her, I have more joy. When, when she serves me and, and, and she feel, feels my ego and I kind of just let it happen, I don't have as much joy. I might not sometimes even be happy because I complain about all these things that she didn't do. When things don't work out the way that I want and, and church doesn't look the way that I want, I, I don't have the joy. But when I serve the church, when I love my brothers and sisters, when I put myself out there and I become more like the image of my king, like the kind of character that Jesus had, I start having more joy. It is true what Psalm 16 says, that in his presence, there is fullness of joy. So not only will we find him in the mission that he's asking us to do, we will also find his presence in this process of maturity that he's making us go through. And we will discover the joy everlasting that he always wanted for us. But let's be honest. It would be very fairy tale. To, for me to just end the lesson right here and say, go, go and evangelize, go and pray that God makes you serve a servant, makes you humble, loving and kind and, and that he teaches you to forgive because then you'll feel him and he'll be all close. It'll be really like misleading for me to end the lesson there because you know, and I know that life doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you're on mission. Sometimes God is changing and transferring, tra transforming your character and you're maturing and life still is bleak. Life still is difficult and circumstances happen and there's pain and there's suffering and in and, and the world that we live in now. I mean, I had a, a conversation with a man just the other day where he told me that because of this pandemic, he has been to more funerals ever than before because of all the people in his street, all his neighbors, they've been having funerals. I mean, it's crazy, right? We lose jobs and we apply for things that don't work out. We, we have depression and anxiety because of all the things that we go through. Our marriages are not always working through. Even the way we parent our kids or our kids are rebelling or we as kids feel like our parents are abusive and controlling and they don't give us the freedom that we want. And, and life just doesn't look the way that we want it to look. And man, it feels like such a pain. 
So you were asked, you would look at me and say, yeah, Jared, cool, I go and evangelize, I go and ask, and God is transforming my character. And even in these trials, yeah, I can feel joy in these trials, and I can try to do that. But Jared, the honest truth is that life is a mess, and it's bleak. Where is King Jesus when life is this bleak? And you would be totally, totally Okay, asking that question, that's totally fair. I do not expect any of us to just have this perfect, awesome, easy life where the presence of the king is always with us. I gotta be honest with myself and I gotta be honest with you that the reality is that life doesn't always work that way. And as much as I wanna feel his presence, sometimes I don't. So what happens when we're in misery? Could we find presence of the king in misery? And I think the Bible answers that question with a resounding yes. So I'm going to ask you please to go to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to end our lesson in the book of Philippians. But, but Philippians chapter 1, please. And, and listen to what Paul says. Paul is in prison when he says this, writes this letter. And as he writes this letter, listen to the words that he's saying about Jesus. I'm going to read from verse 19. He's writing to them about where he's at. And he says, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your intercession and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that in no way I will be put to shame, but that with complete boldness, Messiah will even now as always be exalted in my body, whether through life or through death. For to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Did you hear that? Did you hear what Paul is talking about? He's at the end of his rope. He's like, hey, I believe I'm going to get out of prison. But even if I don't, it doesn't matter to me because for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Even if I stay in the circumstances, I know I'm gaining something. Paul, for some reason, understood that in pain, in misery, the presence of the king is not void. He is right there in our suffering, right there in our pains, right there in our misery. And if we just look for him, we will find him. And he even makes this phrase that is only found in in the New Testament in this letter. And I don't know if you caught it. He says, I know that through your intercessions, your prayers, I know, church, if you guys pray for me, and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ... We talk about the Holy Spirit. We talk that God is spirit. We always talk about the spirit, the spirit, the spirit. But have we ever talked about the spirit of Jesus Christ? And I'm not even going to try to explain the Godhead, the Trinity for you. That requires way more time and a way better mind for this to be explained. But what I do know is that spirit often reflects in the Hebrew mind and the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the mind that Paul has. It often reflects the presence of that person. You are your spirit, you are your ruach, the breath that you breathe, the, the, the blowing of air that you have. You, you cannot separate that from you. So Paul is saying the presence, the ruach, the breath, the spirit of Jesus is going to help me out. He's right here. He's not leaving. He's not hanging, leaving me hanging. He's not putting me in the circumstances just because, just in jail and just figure it out. He is right here. Paul understands that perfectly and he's asking and inviting you and I to do the same Jesus is totally present in the mission 
So let's go out on mission. Jesus is totally present in the maturing process of our lives. So let's ask and let's be transformed into the image of his son. But Jesus is also right there, very present in times of trouble. That's what the psalmist says. He is my very present help in my time of need. Jesus is present in our misery. Jesus is right there with you. Is life not going well? Are you scared? Are you anxious? Are you afraid because of all the things you hear and you see in the news? Are you going through the most in your family or in your job and your circumstances? Are things so difficult that it's just a mystery after mystery? Well, Jesus is right there with you, holding your hand, lifting you up and taking you through this mystery, this painful time. And I know it sounds weird and crazy, but he's there. I remember the time back in 2013, I had just arrived to South Africa for the first time. And to make the long story short, we went through a lot those first six months. So much that I I thought about quitting, I thought about going home. People were saying nasty stuff about me and a group of my friends because we were preaching what we believed to be the truth in, in a different way that was not sitting well with certain people. They made rumors and gossiped about us and long story short, they were ready to kick us out and I was ready to leave. And I, and I remember there's this spot in, in PE, super close to um, the pier where, where I usually go pray. Uh, it's my spot with the Lord and if you don't have one, I encourage you, find one. Uh, geography and spirituality sometimes go hand in hand. Just on the side, think, how do you think Moses felt every time he walked through the place where he saw the burning bush? What do you think came to his mind? What do you think he was thinking? Do you think he remembered? Do you think that place meant something special to him? Just think about that. But I have my spot and I encourage you to have your spot. And I went there and I prayed my lungs out. I I shouted, I screamed, I was angry, I was sad. I was telling God, how's it possible? I came all of this way here and people are rejecting me. What do I do now? Like it was just crazy. And I was lonely and I felt like he wasn't there. I felt like he wasn't answering our prayers. I mean, it's it's hard when people that you love say the worst things about you, right? It's hard when, when people are making rumors and spreading false things that actually affect your relationship with other people that that you love. It's hard. It's absolutely hard. So I definitely felt all of the heat from that. And I, and I was so discouraged. And there's so many things that happen. And, and I wish I could sit down with each of you and tell you explicitly what went down. But, but, but I'll share this. I remember crying my face out that I couldn't even open my eyes because they were so swollen because of tears. I remember praying my lungs out and I couldn't even speak anymore because I was shouting so much and I was so, so, so sad and angry. And all I remember, and I promise you this, I'm not making this up, is that in the middle of those prayers, the waves started crashing against these rocks because where I go pray, there's a lot of rocks. And all of those rocks, that just, all of those waves that started crashing kept getting louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. It was, it was waves that were becoming so, so big that even though I was maybe three, four, five meters away from the rocks, the water that was splashing against the rocks was hitting me. And I started feeling the water and the thought came to my mind that the voice of God is like the voice of many waters. And I was just thinking about that, still processing all of my feelings. And I kid you not, I promise I'm not making this up. All of a sudden, this hand touches my back. This 
this feeling just of peace kind of like consuming this hand just touches my back and on the side of my ear I hear this whisper and I I bet you like I promise you I'm not making this up it was it was an audible whisper that I heard and all that it said that whisper was what they did to you they did to me and I couldn't help but to cry even more and it's almost as if I heard this voice crying next to me and I don't know what you think back then I didn't know as much of the, the spiritual reality and the fact that the hev- heaven and earth are here and the line is very thin between earth and heaven and we live in this overlap. Back then, I didn't know the Holy Spirit like I know Him now. Back then, I didn't believe in all those crazy stories about angels and about miracles. I didn't believe that the Holy Spirit was active and alive. I just thought it was this dove that kind of came when I got baptized. I didn't believe all of those things, but I kid you not, what I remember, what I felt was real and what I heard was real and what I am sure of is that that was King Jesus present in my pain, present in my suffering, crying next to me, telling me what they did to you, they did to me. And that's exactly what it says in Matthew 5, right? It says, rejoice when you're being persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the kingdom's sake because if they persecuted those before you, why wouldn't they persecute you? That's exactly right. When we go through pain, Jesus feels that pain. When we go through suffering, God is not indifferent. He goes through the suffering with us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, the God of all comfort that comforts us in our pain so that we can comfort others when they go through pain. God is the God of comfort. That's why Jesus calls the Spirit the comforter, the counselor, because he's there in our pain. He's there in our misery. He's not leaving us alone. And I don't know what you think, but I'm convinced of this. Because when I opened my eyes, there was nobody next to me, not even close to me. And what I felt was real and what I heard was real. And nobody can convince me of anything else. And I am sure that King Jesus was present with me in my misery. I am sure that King Jesus spoke to me in my pain. I am sure of King Jesus was there lifting me up and holding me when I couldn't go myself. And that's why... When I read words like 1 Peter chapter 5 where it says, Humble yourself before the Lord. Cast all your anxieties upon Him because He cares for you. I believe it. I genuinely believe He cares for me. Have you casted your anxieties upon Him lately? Have you poured out in tears and screams and loud supplications all that you feel and all that you're going through, all the things that you don't like and all the things that you're afraid of? Because if you keep reading 1 Peter 5, it says... At the last verse, in verse 10 and 11, it says, He himself will restore you, support you, establish you. He's right there in your pain. He's right there in your misery. I promise you not. I kid you not. There is no other explanation that I have than King Jesus being there present. So if you think walking with King Jesus would have been awesome and you want to be one of those disciples who followed him personally... I believe he's here. He's present in the mission. So let's go out. Let's go anywhere. Let's do anything. Let's go where he goes. And we'll feel the fire inside going as we speak and as we serve and as we teach. 
He's present in your maturing process. He's making you more like him. He's not leaving you hanging. He loves you and I so much to leave us in the sinful, messy state that we're at. He wants us to be exactly like him. And he's there. King Jesus is present in your misery. He's present. Just reach out to him. He's not far away. He's present. He's holding you. Embrace him in all of your tears and cast up all your pains because he cares for you. And I'm going to finish with this verse. I'm sorry that I'm talking for so long. Please, like I said, we're going to finish in the book of Philippians. But I want to go back to that question that we said. Who do you follow? Who do you follow? Who do you go to mission for? What's the first thing that, that, that comes to your mind? Who are you casting your anxieties upon? Where, where are you relieving all of that pressure and all of that pain? Who are you becoming more like? Like the person on TV or on YouTube? Like, like the people that you want or like the world around you? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Who do you follow? Because if you follow Jesus, the words that Paul says here in Philippians chapter 3 should be your words and my words. <sighs> From verse 7, I'm going to read. Whatever things were gained to me, this I consider a loss for the sake of Messiah. More than that, I consider all things to be lost in comparison to the surpassing value of knowing Messiah Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I suffered the loss of all things and I considered them garbage in order that I, I may gain Messiah and be found in him, not having my righteousness derived from the Torah, but one that is through trusting in Messiah. The righteousness from God that is based on trust. And listen to this. My aim, my goal in life, my purpose, the one thing that I want to do is to know Him. My aim is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and to share in His sufferings and become like Him in His death. Who do you follow in Pain and misery or in awesome and excitement. Who do you follow that you're becoming more like him? Whose mission are you propagating? Whose influence are you spreading? My aim in life, my goal, I desire one thing, says Paul. And I want to pray like he does. To know him both in his resurrection glory and in his suffering and death if you want to know Christ, if you want to feel his presence, I invite you. Let's go on mission. Let's let him mature us and let's hold on tight to him in our mysteries. King Jesus is present right here and right now. And you and I can know him right at this second and walk with him because he's present in all of these things. Amen.